Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, back for the first episode of the 2023 Rugby League season. Fantastic to be back. I've been absolutely chomping at the bit, smashing the beat tests, the beach sprints, the, the sand hills. Sand hills at Cronulla here used to be a killer. Been doing it all, Billy. Biggest pre-season ever. Of course, we've got Billy on board for the first episode of 2023. Welcome back to the NRL All-Stars Podcast, Billy. It has been... A number of months now. It's good to be back. Sure is, mate. Although uh, you did this intro last year, as five hundred kilos. You must be getting old, mate. Oh yeah, I've got to drop it, mate. I'm I'm actually getting. I'm going further back in the back row. You know, from prop down to the back row, down to the edge and stuff. You know, <laughs> sounds like a few of these uh, super coach changes that just got announced. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Well. Look, for everybody tuning in, there's probably a lot of listeners that have listened to us for years, but for those that haven't, uh, on the NRL All-Stars podcast, we've got two different types of episodes that we do. We do the Supercoach episode, which is Supercoach content only, and then we do the Talking Footy episodes, and that's just Talking Rugby League without the Supercoach. Now, the Talking Footy episodes were a huge success last year, really enjoyed doing them. They'll be coming back on board, but they won't be coming back on board until the season actually kicks off. So these are just going to be purely super coach episodes for the preseason. And the preseason episodes, as everybody knows, uh, on the All-Stars podcast, we like to do team previews. So we will preview every one of the 17 NRL teams ahead of the super coach season kicking off to give you as much info as possible. Uh, and it's probably a good time to explain what type of episodes they are, what type of podcast we are. Guys and girls, we like to give info. So these podcasts can be long. Uh, but it's because we like to give you all the different angles, all the different stats, all the different info. And it is a type of podcast where we'll throw up all different names and options because we want you to know about everything. Uh, and that's the type of podcast it is. A few little caveats with the preseason podcast. We're obviously basing on info that we've got now. So if you listen to this in a month's time, there might be a fair few things that change. So I am going to reserve our right to change. Um, but the other thing too is that we do have rotating guests on this podcast. So uh, Billy will probably be back on board for some, another preseason episode, but we'll have a half a dozen other fans and other podcasters and personalities that will be previewing other teams with me. And it will be every week at minimum that we'll be putting out an episode, which will have two teams in each one. So a lot to get through in the preseason, Billy. Uh, this one's going to be all about your eels and all about the Bulldogs. So there you go. You get to talk about your Parramatta Eels after what was probably a really good season last year. You would have been really happy with it. Yeah, it was a reverse mock, mate. I reckon if you bag them long after, <laughs> they'll do something. Um, yeah, well, it was good, mate. It was nice nice to get to a GF. It's a shame about the result, but it's nice to see the boys do well. Um, I, I do like the way Brad Arthur speaks. Um, I remember when he came on board many years ago. Um, it's a tough slog, mate. It's very hard to get to a semi, let alone a final, um, let alone turn a team around and get there. So, yeah, really, really happy for the boys and what, and what they did. But it was also nice to sit back and, um, yeah, just just enjoy a bit, bit more postseason footy. Mm, yep. Well, you had a very good year. You outdid my roosters. So, hats off to you. I don't think you picked that at the start of the year. I don't think either us did, though, for that matter. But you know. <laughs> Um, let's have a... I thought you guys were going to go on with it, actually. The, the, the way you finished the year, I, I had you guys as favourites. 
Yeah, look, I'd, I I was reasonably confident. Obviously, the first half of the season, I didn't like how they played. And I'm sure that me and I think Luke Garrity will be discussing the Roosters. We'll talk about it a bit more. But I we just had so many injuries. It's just been crazy, the amount of injuries. But that means that this year, there's no chance that the Roosters can have the injuries they've had the last two. So I've got to take that out of it. But for you, your Eels, when we're looking at their gains and losses and the change in the roster, there's quite a few. Uh, I think that the big one's obviously going to be Josh Hodgson coming in to play hooker. He's come in at the expense of Reid Marnie, who's gone over the Dogs, who's quite a big loss. Uh, then you've got Hopgood coming over from the Panthers. Matt Dory, a bit of a smoky to get a spot in the pack as well. And Mamacia from the Newcastle Knights, who I haven't heard much of in the preseason, but I actually really like as a signing. And, and Jack Murchie from the, the Warriors, as well as Kai Rodwell. So... There's a few players there of note. Um, I probably should mention young Arcee as well from the New Zealand Warriors. He got some starts last year as well. Your losses, though, uh, I mentioned Reid Marnie. I think that the other thing when you look at this eel side for 2023, Murata Nakore and Isaiah Papali'i, those are two forwards that were really prominent in the eels pack, not just last year, but for many years. That's going to leave quite a big hole. In, in that pack for the Eels. Uh, and often when a hole is left like that, it opens up for super coach opportunity as well, doesn't it? Yeah, um, particularly because when you've got a guy like Papa Lee, who's, you know, kind of like a cult hero, like, you know, Fui Fui Moi Moi back in, back in the day, like it's not just a good player, cult hero, someone actually wants to go and see, like you just touched on, mate. Um, whenever we had an edge back row injured or out or the old sort of um, Matto concussion out, you had a, you had a guy like... Um, um, Nakora come in and fill a void. So now you basically got the starting right edge, the second second right edge gone, and the guy that used to be there um, out suspended for a few weeks. So oh, and obviously you know Nathan Brown on the, on the out. So makes a oh, in- interesting conundrum for Brad with you know. 13, 13 and the 11 or 12, whatever number it is, um, rotation and spots, because I don't think he got, got it right um, last year. Like, I don't think he really solidified what that 13 um, start and rotation looked like. So having to do that as well as the right edge, it's going to make it a bit hard on him. Yeah, it is. It's going to be really interesting uh, because it leaves a lot of holes in the pack and they haven't signed anyone. I think near the quality of, of either of those guys really that are leaving. Uh, and as you touched on, certainly if, if one of the back rows was out, um, it was Nick Corre that would actually come in pretty much every time. So very, very interesting. Look, how do you sort of see them going this year, Billy? Because oh, I think most people would probably say the only way is down. Uh, I tend to think that they're not going to be a top four side. You know, if I'm having a look at it, I don't think they're going to start very well, and we're going to touch on that in a moment with Supercoach, but I don't think they're going to be top four, but I'm pretty comfortable they're going to remain in the eight. That's pretty much where I'm at, but as an Eels fan, you know, you're more pessimistic than positive most of the time. Where are you seeing their season unfold? (laughs) Well, I didn't think they'd be um, top four, top two or top three um, last year, and look what happened. Mind you, that was... um, that was, yeah, with a little bit of sort of pessimism, but also um, that was with a stronger pack. So you go you go back and ask me the same question last year, but with, with this team that we've got this year, as well as the, um, the the start that we've got to year, 
it's, it's not going to be easy to start. And momentum is the biggest thing with me. Momentum is is everything in any, in any kind of sport. And when you've got you know four of the um four of the top sort of five teams from the previous year in the in the top in the in the first five games, certainly going to make it really hard to get off, off get off the blocks. Yeah, and that's a really good segue into the Eels draw. So before we go into the super coach options for the players, uh, I was pretty keen on some of these players initially when super coach first hit with the team picker and everything. I'm not as keen after I looked at the draw. So yeah, exactly. they hit up the Melbourne Storm and then they hit up the Cronulla Sharks, admittedly both home games for them. Then they're away at Manly, home versus Penrith and away versus the Roosters. That first five weeks is a real killer. Like it really is for the Parramatta Eels and for the Super Coach prospects. I think now some people Billy say don't look at the draw too much. I kind of agree, um, but it it doesn't mean nothing either. You know, one of the things that I struggled with with this draw was the Eels are one of the teams that have uh, one of the longest streaks with no buy, and that's something we haven't chatted about yet. Being the first podcast, there's three buys this year. So you're going to have some teams with real early buys and it's going to be quite hard to navigate. The Eels don't have a buy to round 14, which is a really good part of their draw for Supercoach. So initially you'd go, wow, I'm going to get 13 weeks out of these guys without needing to worry about having them sit. Um, But when you look at that first five weeks, you sort of go, geez, I don't know if I want to go through that first five weeks to get to round six onwards where you go Tigers, Bulldogs, Broncos, Knights, Titans, Raiders, uh, Souths and then Cowboys before the bye. You know, they've got a really nice second month of footy. It's just that first sort of five weeks that's a real turn-off, isn't it? Yeah, but in saying that, although although you don't, you probably want to avoid like attacking players um, in those sort of first five weeks, when you've got hard matchups like that, it, it possibly gives rise to uh, options like, you know, sort of lane or maybe a, fo- a, a forward that's just going to get, you know, get that constant work rate in the middle. So wherever, the, wherever there are sort of drawbacks, it also opens up for opportunities as well. And I'll just give you a, a quick one, to, uh, a quick example. So without going into all the players just yet, but obviously Moses is going to be one of the ones that we'll, we'll talk about in, in the next sort of few minutes. So just, just use him as an example, okay? So of those sort of top five teams that you just mentioned, so four of them being the top, the top five, he only averaged 59 against all those last year. So given that you've got that tough draw to start the year, that's like, you know, 11 points below his season average of 70. So that's a classic example of why you would possibly want to steer clear of some of the eels. Um, but where it opens for opportunity is you get if you get rid of those tough games early, it open it opens it opens up for much easier runs a bit later on. So if you look at what's after that, I think what you were alluding to is that sort of five or six game streak where they play, you know, the bottom ranked teams straight after that. So if you get a bloke like Moses, you know, at at a decent price drop around sort of six, round six, he averaged 80 against those guys in um, so 82 against all those teams last year, and every single one of those scores, apart from two, was over 80. So where where there's hardship, mate, there's certainly opportunities. You just need to sit back and find them. Yeah, there definitely is going to be, and there's going to be times where it's going to be uh, good to buy Eels players. I certainly will say with the draw, uh, because, again, I mentioned some people sort of see the draw as something you really need to take into account a lot. Some people are in the middle, and some people say, throw the draw out the window. I'm in the middle, okay? Yeah. And this is why. I think at different times, the draw has more of an impact. At the start of a season, it does mean something 
I, I don't understand saying that it doesn't mean anything because if you have a choice to play the Storm, the Panthers and the Roosters the first three weeks or the Titans, the Warriors and the Tigers the first three weeks, you're obviously going to have a much bigger, <laughs> bigger yeah. game chance of playing uh, the latter three teams. So it does yeah. make a difference. But one of the things that happens, Billy, and I'm a real big proponent of this logic, at the start of every season, everyone's a lot more evened up because... Yep. What happens is all the teams are coming in full of confidence. Every single one of those 17 teams thinks that they can make the eight. Most of them probably even think they can, you know, get to the grand final. And all of them are relatively healthy. Uh, Mentally, they're unscarred. They haven't lost a game yet. Yep. And they come in ready for battle. So what you'll find is that first four to six weeks, especially, uh, you know, teams that might get flogged in that last third of the season are actually keeping good teams to within a 10-point margin. So I do think that that's going to happen a lot. You particularly see it up to about round eight, and then you start to see these teams fall off. You know, classic Dragons example, you know, the Dragons are like leading the comp how many times for the first two months of the season. Then the fall-off starts. Classic Tigers example, you know, you see the Tigers start well when they've got a bad team. And then all of a sudden the, the wheels start to fall off towards that first buy. So that's something to consider uh, with the start of the draw. Um, and it's also why I'd value the middle of the draw more and why you're looking for runs in it as well. Yeah, 100%. And if you go back to some of those um, uh, Super Coach Facebook forums from last year, I'm pretty sure it was last year, the year before, pretty sure it was last year. Someone posted, I think, round three or round four. The, um, the actual um, NRL comp ladder, and it was a dead replica of the previous year. It was upside down. So you've got new players coming out for their clubs, trying to trying to prove themselves, guys with no scars yet. So classic example, you know, the Tigers coming out, winning their first two, three games and going into a hole. That, no one's told them they're, they're a 15th or 16th ranked team. Mate. They're coming out to prove themselves. Yeah, exactly right. Look, let's unpack some of these players. Let's go through the Eels players for Supercoach and the options. Uh, when we're doing that, there has been obviously some changes. The salary cap has gone up. What I'd probably say to everybody, and this is hard to do, like I found it hard to do, it's hard to get your head around some of these prices because you see someone's price and go, wow, that's really expensive. you got to remember you're looking at, you know, it's relative. You're looking at 10 to 15% fluctuation on what they were last time. So, you know, if it makes you feel better, take 10 to 15% off the bottom line of that price. And that's what, you know, their relative price was last year. All in all, it makes no difference really. But just when you see a price, you sort of go, wow, big Billy kick out 686000 That's expensive. He would have been closer to 600000 or something, you know, last year. So just keep that in mind when you're looking at the prices. But you're going to start to figure that out when you realise that everybody looks expensive. On the uh, eel side of things, First off, you started with Moses. So let's start with Moses. We're going to talk about the Eels guns, Billy, first. Mitchell Moses, 738,500. Now, he had a 70.2 average, which was second best amongst all the Eels. Easily a career year. You know, when you're having a look at, at Moses' other, uh, other seasons, he's never hit this type of form for Supercoach. He's 58 in 2021, 54 in 2020. His best season was 62 points in 2019. So he's bested that easily last year with an above 70 average. A few little interesting tidbits on Mitchell Moses. Uh, He had three tons, including a 144. So certainly people were always worried about the fact that he doesn't have those real big ones in him. 144 is a real big one. Uh, But the big one when you unpack his average, Billy, 45 points per game in clutch attack stats. And when I'm talking clutch attack, I'm talking 
uh, about scoring stats, whether that's tries or goal kicking and, uh, and line break assists and try assists, clutch attack, 45 points per game in that versus 2021 season where it was 36 points a game. So it's a whopping nine points up in his clutch attack stats. Um, that's that's pretty big. The other thing too is that 60-60 gun status. Now, some people might not have heard of that being the first podcast I'll explain. The old 60-60 gun theory was uh, coined by Matty Person, who will be doing the Tigers episode of the NRL All-Stars. And 60-60 is referring to 60% of the time that person goes 60-plus because you want people that are going to the majority of the time go 60-plus as an asset for Supercoach. He did it 64% of the time where he went over 60. That is actually the same amount of times percentage-wise that Nathan Cleary got you 60-plus points. Only Hines at halfback was a more consistent at 78%. There was only four halfbacks in the whole game of Supercoach that actually were 60-60 qualifiers as far as 60-60 guns were concerned. So fantastic season, Mitchell Moses, 738,500. I've just sung his praises, Billy. There's absolutely no way I can start with him. (laughs) (laughs) Mate, exactly the same. Just I rattled his numbers off before, Jay. It's exactly the same as what you just said, mate. He's um although he had a career year, he's got the he's got the hardest team in the comp to start the year. So we and, and I can't see him doing any more than a, than a 59 or 60 average off them, same as what he did last year. Um, stringing, and that was strung out through the whole season too. Stringing every single one of those together, I just, I just can't, I just can't see it, mate. I really, I really will consider him for for that soft run after. The only thing to add in his favour is that although it's it is a tough draw, if you look closer. Apart from that first game away, um, I think he's got the next two at home. So he's got like a, a string at um, at home to to start with, and you know how they have a, a good record. No matter who they play, I mean they beat Storm twice or three times in the last couple of years um, at at Paris Stadium. Um, and then when you go to that uh, away streak, so from round six, um, can't remember the, the teams they played, but it was Canberra t- Tigers, Tigers yeah. t- Canberra Tigers, Titans, um, uh, was it, uh, a couple of others, uh, Bulldogs. So th- 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 those sorts of quality guys. Um, I think the first one was Tigers, but the next three were at home. So they've got really good streak. So he's kind of the... Uh, same as every year, pick your battles, but he's probably a, a, him and probably any other eel is probably a decent pick up around six if they bottom, bottom out enough and have a decent enough ceiling that you can sort of cash in on. And he's probably the one, one of the, one of the few blokes of the eels that kind of has a ceiling high enough that you would want to sort of get in for maybe a VC. Yeah, and his goal kicking was um, is obviously a big kicker for him as well as far as his points. He he didn't have the low floor as much last year. He had one terrible game of eight points in round eight. But aside from that, you know, you're talking mostly 40s um, with only two in the 30s. So as far as his lowest games, it, he used to be a 15 point, 22 point, six point type of guy in a few games. He didn't really have that last year. I guess the question's going to be as well, though, if that pack affects the way that Eels can play, that's going to affect the halves and the playmakers because, you know, you hear the cliche all the time. You can't play behind a beaten pack. The Eels pack is significantly worse as far as I'm concerned with IPAP out, with Nakore out and with who they've got plugging those holes. So maybe that's a bit of regression for him. Uh, I think that he'll be somewhere in between 2021 and 2022. I think I agree with you. I think he's going to start off 
with a worse average, maybe around 60 or something in the first couple of months. Uh, and then I think he's going to even out to about a 65 average. So I still think that he's going to have a really good year. I still think he's going to be useful this year, but I don't think that anyone can start with him at 738,500 with that draw. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is um, Gutho was not last year, the year before Gutho was still kicking maybe four or five games and probably stole a few, maybe 30 or 40 points off for him. I'm looking at it or maybe 60 points off him. Mm. So if he was maybe kicking every game last year and Gutho was um, confined to just pure fullback, maybe maybe that accounted for a couple of the extra points, but He'll keep that this year, but um, I think about seventy-five percent of those games, um, Moses was out anyway. Though he did kick a few uh, times, okay. but Moses like returned with a leg injury, maybe two or three okay. games, sort of thing. Yeah, okay, that, that that makes more sense. But yeah, look, you st- in order to do that, to do to do those conversions, it's the old sort of running joke: need to go over the white stripe first, and um, obviously losing a couple of the, a couple of the key players, like you know the bloke steering the ship up front, as well as one of one of their dominant sort of edge guys. It's good for good for a pie or two. Um, maybe takes a little bit of gloss off, but wouldn't be too much. It's just more of a find the right time, hey? Yeah. And look, it's, you know, we, we need to mention what a great season he had because, you know, 28 tries this last year. Mitchell Moses absolutely killed it. He was great to own last year, but you, I think... Stick with us, Mitch. For round one, I think you need to move on. Uh, forever. To forever. Another five years <laughs> will do. Clint Gutherson, the king, 717,000. I always love getting on Clint Gutherson at times. Uh, listeners to this podcast will know that, especially for buy periods, you know, jumping on Gutho and getting him for a good four to six week run type of thing. Uh, and it worked out really well for me last year. I got a really good run out of him. Never really a round one type of guy, Clint Gutherson. Now he's going to come in pretty expensive. He was the third best deal on averages at 68.2 points per game. But that was actually his worst year since 2018. Uh, and it's you know, the last two years, Prior to last year, he'd done 70s. I think the team's spine actually impacted him. Uh, I think that Dylan Brown having a career year, who we're going to talk about in a moment, impacted him. I think Mitchell Moses having a career supercoach year impacted him. But they kind of took some of his points, I reckon. Uh, but the final third of the season, and this is where you talk about Guffo and when his value is. It's not for round one when they got that sort of draw. It's for when you see like the final third of last year, he averaged 87 points for the final third. That's between around 19 and 26. That's where his value will be. He had a 159-point game in that period. He's got those big ones in him. But you're looking for Gutho when you've got other fullbacks out, uh, when you've got a good run for the Eels, when he's at a good price and there's some value to be had there. The final third of last year it was. You're getting 87 points a game. I dare say you're not even going to get his 68 average from last year uh, in the first couple months of this year. So 717,000 with the other options available at fullback, especially, you know, I'd have to put probably six fullbacks ahead of him at least for the start of this season, especially when you consider that draw. So King Gutho, uh, he's going to have to sit in the castle for a while, Billy. Mate, do I have a stat for you? This is going to blow your mind and you might have to go back and edit what you just Commented on. <laughs> oh, I will not edit. I'll stick by it, but I cannot wait for this stat to blow. You know how I just rattled off all the the stuff from Moses about being ten points lower than his season average versus the top five teams in the comp, and then going like about eighty two versus the all the bottom ranked teams. Mate, Gutho is the exact opposite. He averaged eighty two versus Storm Chooks. 
uh, Cal, the top five teams that he's pl- the the, top, the first five teams that he's playing this year. He actually averaged eighty two against them. Against all the bottom ranked teams, the ones where you think he'd go and score one hundred and fifty, he averaged uh, sixty two. That was his worst. So it's almost like when they play the easier teams like Tigers, Bulldogs, Moses comes out and carves up. And Gutho gets nothing because Moses is on on fire. As soon as they play the tougher teams. Moses gets shut down and Gutho sweeps out left and gets his clutch. Mate, it's the exact opposite. I can't figure it out. But he goes shit out against the easier teams and stands up when he's playing the storm. I can't figure it out. The, the king has to lead his people, mate. That's what it comes down to, I guess. But but you can't buy him because, <laughs> because <laughs> his ceiling's not that high. Oh, he's got a good and... ceiling. Come on. I think that he's put that to bed. You always give that to Gutho. But, I mean, he had a 154-point game, 159-point game last year. You know, he's got... He's got the big ones. But he's, uh, he's also only available at fullback. And we, we all know there's a couple of players we want to be spending over him. Yeah, look, look, everyone just recognise that Billy's on fire in the first 10 minutes of his first episode of the year. Look at that stat for Gutho. That is a fantastic stat. Um, but I'll tell you what, if you want a pod, no one will have him because I'll be thinking the opposite. But hands down, averages 82 against the top five teams. Well, that's what this podcast is all about. It's about you thinking about all the angles, having all the information, and then making the decision yourself so you don't blame the All-Stars podcast for telling you to go Clint Gutherson. So, listen, Gutho, at 717,000, even with those stats, I don't think you can consider. Um, I think the, no. the biggest kicker for Gutherson is you've got, a, you know, Turbo at $180,000 less. You've got... Um, Ponga at $200,000 less. You've got all these other fullbacks that traditionally are better than him that are less and better value. And then you've got all these other potential ones as well that are just a little bit more. Um, so I just, I think that he's priced really poorly for this year compared to the the market. Um, certainly if you had the start of this season, it was like the fullback carnage last year where, you know, say that translated to round one where you had like Pap out, Turbo out, Ponger out, that's when you go, well, maybe I need to consider Clint Gutherson because he is less than Teddy and Latrell, and they're the only three real, you know, gun fullbacks. It's not the case for round one. So that puts Gutho to bed. I want to move down to the pack for a moment where we're going to finish off on the gun topic and then go on to some other topic players. Madison, $696,700. It is quite expensive for a second rower who predominantly came off the bench. But I think that there's, I'm going to say first off, before I even rattle off the numbers and and my thoughts on Madison, I'm disappointed that a lot of the projected teams don't have him starting. I was really looking forward to Madison being an 80 minute edge again and jumping on that, but it's just not going to happen. It looks like he's going to be a 13. He's probably going to come off the bench as a 13. Uh, But look, he came off the bench a lot last year. Uh, he was still the third best deal at 68.2 points per game. It was actually his worst year, though, uh, for a while. He, he Pretty much 2021 and 2022 were the same. But 2020, he averaged 75 a game. 2019, he averaged 67 a game. But it was his worst year by a mile on minutes. He averaged 56 minutes a game. His worst aside from that has been 69 minutes over the last five years. You know, his minutes were way down, but his PPM, was a career best. PPM is points per minute for those that are listening for the first time or playing super coach for the first time. How many points does he score per minute? He scores 1.17 points per minute. That is outstanding. Anything above one is great. Anything at 1.2 and above is elite. 
absolutely elite. And and he did that, Billy. And the last step that I'm going to leave you with, with Maddo, okay, everyone's worried about the whole bench thing, right? Listen up. 11 out of his 19 games last year were off the bench and he averaged 76.5 points a game of his bench games. The eight games he started, he averaged just a shade over 57. There was almost a 20-point difference better for him to be a bench player than what it was for him to be a starter. Where did those points come from, Billy? Well, look, he had a base-base attack of 64, and his attack wasn't even that high. You know, there was a, there was a bit of a fallacy that he was hitting heaps of attack. He only scored four tries. Decent amount only of tries. Three in those games. Only three in those games. Too. And only three in those games. So, I mean, look, his attack either stays the same or has some upside. And the pack is actually decimated to the point that, you know, maybe instead of the 56 minutes, he goes up to 62, but he's still off the bench. You know, I think that we've gotten to a point in rugby league where people need to get over bench first starting because what coaches are doing is just looking at minutes, you know, and the best way to get Maddo to say 62 minutes might be to bring him on in the 18th minute and then play him out the rest of the game. So Madison, 100% is still an option. I have seen people report, Billy, that he's going to play because they're going to get the uh, the old fine over the old fine in and the um, the ban overturn instead and change their mind. Uh, I believe a couple of the other podcasts actually mentioned it's already done. I haven't seen any reports that it's done. So at the moment he's meant to be suspended, but all the mail at the moment is it seems to be that he's going to be able to play. So we'll talk about him as if he's going to be able to play. If he's playing, Ryan Madison, I think, is a consideration and he's one that's going to be owned by absolutely nobody. Oh, 100%. Um, and just to supplement exactly what you were saying there, just an additional stat. Um, you mentioned his um, his massive PPM of one point. What did you say it was? 1.1 1. 1 something or other? 1.17. Yeah, 1.17. Um, when, he, when he's coming off the bench, it's actually 1.4. So even better. So um, 1.4 is the sort of number that you rarely ever see in the history of Supercoach. Yep. And from what you were saying before, so when he comes off the bench, um, it, his average is 55 minutes when he comes off the bench. So even though he might have had a couple of games where it was 35 and sort of 30, 38 minutes, there were a couple of games. You, you've got to take the other side of it too. He played 80 minute. Uh, so that wouldn't have been off. The, obviously, that one's wrong. It says he's got 80 minutes. So he must have been listed as off the bench, but played full. So I'll take that out. Yeah, with the, um, the numbers that I did, one 15. of the games that he um, was bench, he actually started and played 80. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, so it goes up even, even further, you know, 1.46. <laughs> um, so his PPM is basically one and a half points um, per minute he's on the field. Um, and yeah, so the off the other stat is the off. So he plays 55 minutes on average when he's off the bench, and his um, offloads go through the roof as well. Um, there were a couple of games there where he had 20 and 24 points in offloads. Every time he took a hit up, it was off, 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 and they were they were all effective as well. So he's not just chucking it willy nilly. Um, mate, all I can say is if he's if, if this fella's coming off the um off the bench, mate. Um, 100% averages at 75 or 55 minutes priced at, what, a uh, 66 average? So you'd have to assume he just does the same as last year. So you're not going to lose money on him. He'll increase. It might be a slow burn increase, but um, given that the first five teams are going to be sort of hard, hard fought games, I'd be more than happy with less tries for the edge and just more straight up sort of tackles, hit ups, and offloads with him. Um, and that's the other thing too. I think it's 30 tackles a game and around 25 to 30 points of hit ups per game uh, when he's off the bench. So 
don't 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 be afraid of uh bloke coming off the bench because he plays just as much time off the bench as most other dominant uh, alpha alpha props. Yeah. Uh, and he was coming on and just playing squarely in the middle and he was doing a great job. It's sort of a transitional role for him that he started doing the last couple of seasons and he's doing it really well now and he's not needing the minutes. I think when we're looking at someone like you mentioned 1.4 under the right circumstances as a point per minute, um, that is ridiculously elite. And a lot of the time you see a number like that and go, that's a real outlier stat. You know, what are the chances of somebody being able to replicate something that elite uh, and and normally you would say, look, they're not going to be able to do it. You know, if you have a winger that scores 38 tries in the season, you'd go, well, the next season, they're not going to be able to do that. The great thing about this number with Madison that results in him scoring so well is it is so much of it is just his work rate. You know, he's going to get the base attack, uh, which is his offloads and tackle breaks. He's just going to get that just by doing his work rate. So you can count that in there. 65 points just in his runs, tackles, offloads, tackle breaks. You know, that's going to happen. He doesn't even need the tries, the assists or anything else. So he's just, he's because he's getting it from being such a high rate worker, he's he's going to be able to maintain, if not that, then something pretty close to it. Uh, I'm not going to say 1.4, but certainly the 1.17, which is still elite. So there one, you go. One more, one more number in there for you. Um, uh, game, games off the bench. Uh, at lock st- against the top five teams, um, they start the year in- average increases to ninety. Jeez, that's crazy. And he did have two tries in there, but still, you take those out, he's still sort of another t- another ten points up. Average goes up to eighty, so fifteen points undervalued. Yeah, look, he has always been potentially one of the like possibly the number one second row forward in Super. Coach. I'm sorry, but I I will say. They do have a rejigged forward pack, and we don't know how it's going to work. That could work in his favour. You know, do the forwards moving on like Papali'i, um, you know, does whoever get that Papali'i spot play less minutes than him? And that's extra minutes, you know. At the moment, it looks like Hopgood and Murchie are going to start. So, I mean... It's... Probably a good segue into those two guys. We just talked a fair bit. So, do you want to just walk us through what you think of those other guys? Yeah, Let's do that. So, you know, they're part of our mids and cheapies, but they're in our mids and cheapies forwards. So let's talk about that a little bit. Cardi, I actually had here to talk about as well, but he broke his jaw. So he's going to be out of the out of the running. He actually looked like he might have had some value because Jake Arthur is going to be on the bench likely because there's no way Hodgson's going to play 80 minutes. So three forward bench we're looking at, but Cardi's not going to be part of it. The other guys that are going to be interesting, like we said, are Hopgood and Murchie. Now, at the moment, a lot of projected teams have them starting, Billy. I think it's a tale of two very, very different options. Murchie's 432000 He's already priced off playing 54 minutes. Admittedly, you know, he only averaged 35, but admittedly that was mostly on an edge. Um, but the only that's the only positive, really. Um, and if he's, you know, going to 13 anyway, you'd expect his minutes to probably go down. You know, and then what does that look like for him? Does he play the first 20 minutes, Mado goes on and then maybe he gets to play some edge minutes. You know, it's mm. it, it looks it looks worse minutes-wise than last year, which will completely negate any sort of uptick in his work rate. So the numbers just don't work for him at all at 432,000, whereas Hopgood, uh, I will admit that I actually thought Hopgood was more of a must-have than what he projects out to be, um, but he's still a very good player to have, and I think that everyone probably should jump on. 35.5 average, PPM 0.94 last year means, you know, if he will get 50 minutes, it's going to be ideal. Um, but really, he's got a bit of a discount on his price, so it doesn't really matter. 
probably you're looking at needing a minimum 40 minute type of role for him, hoping for 45. You know, but considering the the IPAP minutes that were on offer, uh, he he looks by far the better option than Murchie. I think Murchie's a definite stay away, uh, and Hopwood's a fantastic buy. But I don't think that Hopwood's going to take all the IPAP minutes, which is you know why we segue because that sort of goes into maybe Madison getting them. The thing that interested me about him was I didn't follow Penrith anywhere near enough last year to watch many of his games. But although he ran off his average there, there was only one game in there with decent minutes, and it was one game with at starting at lock for 68 minutes. And he scored 67 in basically um, mostly base. It was 27 points in hit-ups, 38 tackles in 68 minutes. And he had three effective offloads in there. So if he could play that sort of role, let's start at sort of lock and then either play, like rotate to that sort of right edge and battle sort of come on, that'd be a that'd be a great sort of outcome for Supercoach. Yeah, it will be. And look, when you're looking at these guys like Mad like like we're gonna talk about Lane later, but like Lane is getting basically, you know, 80 minutes. So he can't get any more minutes. But somebody has to take the minutes, especially for IPAP starting. Uh, so, you know, I, I just think that Hopgood's looking really good for it. He's also a young fellow. We don't have much data on him. He's only been in the league for a couple of years and he's only got nine career games. Uh, that's actually a positive because, you know, he's probably just going to get better and better with the opportunity. I Murchie, completely forget about as far as I'm concerned, but Hopgood, I'd have him in. I think that he's going to get some of those IPAP minutes. I think that... that uh, Madison could get some of those IPAP units too. And and the thing with Madison, just to finish off on those three forwards, and but those two forwards in Murchie and also Hopgood were in our mid-cheapies you know, category. And for Murchie, it's a mid-cheapie to avoid. But on Madison, because of his PPM, you might th- sort of throw away, oh, he's got an extra four minutes a game. That four minutes a game on his PPM is an extra you know, six to seven points. It's a lot of points because his work rate is so good and it doesn't really change too much in that type of minute rotation. So I, I really think that nobody's going to own him and he could blow everyone away. I, the only reason I'm, I'm maybe not going to own him is because there's so many other great options at similar type of prices, Billy. Yep. Yeah. Um, mate, while you were talking then, just to supplement what you were saying around your choice of Hopwood over sort of Murchie, I went back just to 2021 just to see if even though he had smaller minutes to see if his PPM was consistent, just to try and um, compare, mate, five games in 2021, PPM for the season is actually even better. It's 1.14. It was never below 0.94, all, all base two, mate. There was one. There was actually one really small minute game where he played 26 minutes and he's only 19 points, which skewed that kind of PPM even lower. But he's got some massive PPM: 1.37, 1.21, 1. 1.49. Mate, if he can get 45 minutes, happy days. Yeah, and he's going to be fairly unaffected, Hopgood, for the uh, the draw in the first five weeks because he's got a lot of work rate that he does, um, like a sort of like we we're saying with Madison. You know, in a smaller minute role though for Hopgood. Uh, he should be able to go pretty well and there'll be a lot of tackles and hit-ups on offer for him. So let's keep talking about the guns, though. Madison was our last in actual gun list. And then we had a controversial gun chat um, where it's a gun that I'm going to say I'm looking at regression for, I'm going to avoid. It's meant to be a bit, bit of a controversial call. So, you know, it's a bit balls to the wall. Dylan Brown. 
I'm going to be labelled the Dylan Brown hater. Wilfred <laughs> loves to tell me that. He'll be on for the Broncos podcast as a guest, and I'm sure that he'll mention this one. Dylan Brown, $781,300 is your 5'8 for Supercoach in 2023. 74.3 average. He was the best Parramatta eel in the game of Supercoach last year. Uh, he had a 50 base-base attack. Uh, again, for those newbies, when I talk base-base attack, other people say... Uh, other people label it as power. I'm a traditionalist. It's always been base, base attack. Base is his raw base, his tackles and his runs, and the base attack refers to the tackle breaks and offloads. He did 50 in that last year. Now, he did 46 points per game in base attack in 2021, so it wasn't up that much, Billy. The big difference last year, he was doing 26 points per game in his attacking stats. And last the year before, in 2021, Nine points a game. So he went up from nine points a game in attacking stats to 26 points a game. That included 11 tries in 24 games, which was a big difference. But the major difference was his 19 tries, which basically doubled his his best in his career before that. And then he also had four tons, including 134 season high. And when you look at 2021, zero tons, best score 71. Um, you could say that, oh, maybe he was just getting some big scores and was yo-yoing because he was, you know, can be a bit inconsistent. He's always had a decent floor. So when those attacking stats come, it meant that he was super consistent. 67% of the time he was going 60 plus, but 60% of his games, just about, he was going 70 plus. That is a ridiculous season from Dylan Brown. Uh, and because it's so ridiculous, Billy, 781,000, and I'm going to say, controversially, he's a huge mistake to start with. I think that he's going to regress. I think he's not going to get 74 points a game at all. Uh, and I think that with the other options available in your halves and that draw on top, I'm going to say that he's one of the highest rated guns that I'm 100% leaving out of my team. Yeah, I'd be leaving him out too. Um I just resonate with everything you just said, mate. Oh, mind you, maybe there is a bit of a uh, uh, <laughs> eels pessimism in here. I mean, if you if I looked at all these numbers and saw Cameron Munster's name next to it, I'd be like, yeah, this is the reason why you get him into your team. But um, I think you hit the nail on the head. He's basically just increased his output from the prior year, and I just don't want to pay for a bloke that has to uh, have the same output as a career year to maintain his price. Um, he can go well against any team. Like one of his biggest scores was um, versus, the, like he scored 100 versus the Storm last year. So I don't have any concern that he can step up for the occasion. But I mean, there's lots of players that score a ton versus the versus the Storm every now and then. Just try doing it back to back, though. It's it's just a bet. I just would rather not take if I'm going to have to spend that sort of money on a player, mate. Yeah, 100% right. And look, the last four years of his super coach averages 46, 64, 53, and 74. Uh, I will say that 74 does coincide with him wanting a new contract as well. So I'm just going to throw in that really quietly. Uh, he has signed that contract now. Uh, it's not a, it's never a guarantee, but we do see sometimes that guys step up in a contract year. He's a young man though. So I will say on the plus side, you know, he's he's going to turn, he's only 22 years of age at the moment. He's going to be 23 during the season. That's a very young age considering how well he's been playing. Uh, so he maybe that's him. Maybe he keeps getting better, which he could do, in which case, you know, you need to make that decision. I'm going to say that he's not going to be able to match it. But if you think that at his age and what he showed last year, he's only going to get better, 
then you're going to have to back him to beat guys like Cameron Munster uh, and some of the other more fancied 5'8 options as well. So I'm not going to do that at that price point. Um, if he was cheaper, I think it would be easier, but he's not 781,000, not a great draw. I'm going to leave him. I think he's going to be a pod, though. He's going to be certainly under 10% ownership from round one. Now, the, the pod discussion, big balls pod. Now, the big balls pod, the BVP, these ones, guys and girls, are real pod territory. They can range from absolutely crazy ones to ones that aren't quite as crazy, but are certainly going to be pods. Uh, this is actually not quite that crazy. Sean Lane. Uh, admittedly, last year he was not owned very much at all until sort of the midway mark when people started to catch on. Uh, even then, he probably wasn't owned as much as what he should have been, Billy. But he comes in at 724000 And what we're seeing with a lot of these back rowers is there's a lot of guys between sort of 650 and 750 that are really good back rowers. There's a lot of great back rowers to get, which means that someone like Sean Lane will be left in pod status for sure. I would say that he's going to be 5% or under in his ownership. Um, 68.8 average, played an 80-minute game role. Um, coupled with that, he hit 28 years old last year. Uh, he's in his prime. I think he really came into his own. No IPAP as well, which I think means they're going to look to him more because, you know, you had IPAP on one side attacking and Lane on the other, both very good attacking weapons. They're not going to have that attacking weapon on the other side. So I can only say even more ball for Lane. Had 46 in raw base, which is pretty decent for an edge back row, but base base attack of 58, and he only scored two tries. Uh, but 12 tries, this was fourth in the team. I think that continues. And the try scoring probably got upside. You know, I could see him at least probably doubling his two tries he scored last year. And he was doing 1.5 offloads a game with over two tackle breaks. His, his base attack was huge, and he's going to be a huge pod. But how much of the bad of the bad draw will actually affect his output, Billy, considering he does rely on a bit of attack as far as his base attack, especially. Yeah, I looked into that. Um, he was a lot... Look, he, his his tackle efficiency is a lot better. He looks a lot lot more involved. Like, he's less of a decoy. He actually gets that ball close to the line. But, yeah, like you were saying, mate, um, I looked at the numbers, and, yeah, his average is 82. Um, when he... Not like anyone, their average goes up when they score a try. But um, he needs he needs that um, try every one of his big games obviously had that try assist. If you take all those out, um, it really dropped. There was 46, 35, 33, 41, 59. That's just the first five games of the season without a try assist. So I would much rather have a guy that's probably going to get 55 without a try assist on an edge, not sort of 35, 45 to get him up to an 80. So um, although I hope he does well this year and I think you, he will um, have a lot of that sort of same play as the previous years. I just don't want to rely on one almost every single game just to get him to that 65, 70. So for that reason, pass for me. But in saying that, he's probably one of those prime candidates for that sort of round six run. Like if he can drop a good 10 points on average by then and be maybe 100k lower than where he is, I would 100% pick him up for that uh, run. I was super keen on him, Billy. Like I, I actually had him in my first draft team because I just loved him last year. I love that. I love boards that have the high offload, high tackle break ability because it really boosts your base. And how about I do that that number for you real quickly? So the first five teams it was Sharks, Melbourne, Panthers, Manly. Not too bad. Sixty two. Yeah, it's it's going to be below what he normally does. Look, I I tell you what. I'll tell you what my plan is for Lane, because I do want to own him. 
at the moment, I'm looking at it like uh, someone like Hopgood uh, can turn into a Sean Lane two months into the season or something. Depends how he goes. I reckon, mate, if Hopgood is as good as his PPM, he'll end up being like a Papa Lee type. It just depends on his minutes. That's it. Yeah, and I, I look, I'm making on him not to get enough minutes. But, you know, there, there'll be somebody else, you know, generally like sort of six weeks into the season, somebody plateaus and they're going to start losing cash and you need to make a trade. Um, that's like the perfect time to get someone like Sean Lane in. Round one, I do think the people could do it. Um, he is somebody who you know, maybe they do go to him a lot more. Maybe that's part of their attack now to give him, you know, an extra four or five touches on that side. And that, that can equate to quite a bit, especially with how he attacks. Uh, maybe, you know, teams like the Storm looked really susceptible uh, the second half of last year on their edges. Maybe that's not cleaned up, you know. It's, I do think he's an option, um, but he's going to be very pottish if you go for him because there's a lot of other options available. If there was a good draw, he was in my team. Um, because the draw is a little bit hard, I'm going to actually leave him out for somebody else. Fallen guns. Uh, we're going to go through these two really quickly because uh, neither of these are going to be options now. It's a little bit sad. Mike Acevo, I grabbed last year and I loved it. You know, he is $625,200 this year, but he was the number one center wing for the Eels. That still was just under 60 points a game, but he did manage 12 tries in 12 games. He only didn't score in three of his 12 that he played in. But his base was only 19. At least his base attack got him up to 40, though. Uh, and he was almost a 60-60 gun at 58%. Obviously, the draw just throws him out the window. The price for round one throws him out the window. If you are looking at expensive center wings, you can't get a Mike Acebo for round one, in my opinion, with that draw. Uh, maybe you could go for the big balls pod, Billy, but you'd want to have a, a really, really friendly draw to do something like that. And I, you just can't do it for this year. So he's out the window. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get your opinion on Sebo as well as this other guy, and that is Junior Paulo, 526,000, somebody who I have loved in the past, but he is well and truly on the blacklist. 50 average, lowest minutes since 2018, and only 48 minutes a game. 23% of his games were 60 plus, which is awful. Career low PPM. Zero try season. Now, I know a lot of people are trawling for front rowers as well. 526,000, you know, relatively might seem okay. He's a stay away massively. So those are two fallen guns, Billy, that I think are going to remain fallen, although Sebo might have a chance in the middle of the season. Yeah, same, mate. I agree. Not really interested in either of those. Um, they're just not as much upside apart from the draw. Like, yeah, they just don't seem like the players they used to be. That's all I really got added there, mate. You, you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head right there. There's a reason why we're not talking about him any longer than this. Yep, yep. Stay away from those two from round one. Have a look at Sebo when he starts to bottom out and the Eels draw becomes pretty pretty good. Uh, let's move along to another topic, and that's our mids and cheapies. Now, we already touched on a couple of these with the Fords, um, but one of the Fords that we didn't touch on was Hodgson, who's come across to replace Reid Marnie. 385,600. I think a lot of people are going to look at that and go, wow, that's really cheap for a starting hooker. Hodgson has been a gun in the past, but he's injured. Maybe he's going to come good. He's in a new system. He's probably pumped up. All all very fair narratives and and also facts at his cheap price point. I'm going to bring everybody back a few years. We're going to have a little bit of a story time. A few years ago, I thought this myself. And I went, you know what? He had all these injury-affected games. And it's meant that his price is really cheap. It was a similar price to this. And I went, you know what? I'm going to bring him in 
and he really did not go well at all. He he made a little bit of cash and ended up being sort of seven or eight points above his price point. But what I found out was, and, he, and this was a couple of years ago when he was a lot younger, um, he just doesn't do that much. And unfortunately, he also has to have an 80-minute role. Uh, even in 80 minutes, you know, he had scores a couple of years ago of 23 and 30 as an 80-minute hooker. He had a, a poor base the last couple of years of sort of 40 with negative stats as well, getting a lot of penalties. He always had a fringe super coach friendly game where sort of, you know, five years ago, it was okay because he got a lot of attack in. When I took this experiment on board two years ago, he just didn't do it anymore. He didn't get the attack. And what you were left with was a low work rate hooker uh, who, if he didn't play 80 minutes, was going to be absolute mud. And if he did play 80 minutes he was going to be really middling between sort of 35 and 50 points. And it just, it wasn't going to do anything for you. So Hodgson, I think in his, in his 30s now, coming off another major injury, it's just going to be a no for me all up. I think that everybody should steer clear. And I will say with ones like this, Billy, one, one good strategy is you're going to get some of these wrong. You know, everyone on this podcast is going to get some calls wrong. That's what happens. If I'm wrong on Hodgson, I'm not going to lose much because you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll change somebody else in my team and bring him in and I'll burn that trade. If he looks so good and he looks amazing, I'll still be able to get him in at 400 something thousand, even after a price rise. And it's still going to be cheap if he's going that well. It won't happen, but if it does, I can correct it pretty quickly. What's harder to correct, Billy, is to burn a trade when he doesn't work out, which is a likely scenario. Yeah, because then you're going to find someone just as cheap in the same position. So it's uh, kind of like the old um, situation with uh, Spencer Lenu. Everyone gets him, think he's going to increase, and all of a sudden, to get he just get that guy stuck at that price point on your bench that you can never get rid of. But also, that also, not an A nightmare, but someone that just annoys the hell out of you. Yeah, exactly right. And look, you just you need to look at the fact that between 2018 and 2021, um, he basically averaged 76 minutes a game. And his scores were from 18 onwards, 63, 54, 42, and 52. Yeah, and, and obviously in 2022, he only had three games because he's coming off a major injury. So at best, yeah. you know, maybe sort of looking at maybe 48, 50. But for that, he needs to be playing that 75 odd minutes a game. And there's no way. Like there's probably a good call to say that he's going to play 60 to 65 at best, at absolute best. And if he plays 55 minutes, then you're absolutely stuffed. It's there's just I don't see any upside from going that Hodgson route, and I think it's a mistake if you make it and we're wrong about that call that you can correct it later on. But um, but yeah, his minutes and his numbers, none of it projects to be good, especially at his age. Yeah, man. Young Dunster, Billy. Oh, who knows? What do you think of him as a prospect? He he did his knee last year, so he didn't play any of the year. Um, and the you know, prior year looked low with an average of thirty three, but if you take out his low minute games. 80-minute games, it was a 40 average. Looks pretty good value and 234000 He looks like a youngster that might actually come good for your Eels. Yeah, at the price, it's you don't say no to people like that. You just chuck them on your, you chuck them on your bench and you let them run, but they've just got to start, mate. They can't be not playing. And I think the last couple of variations of the team, I haven't sort of seen him in there, although doesn't really mean anything. None of the, not a lot of the journos get uh, get all the, the the teams correct. But um, if if he doesn't start, is he? As an Eels fan, I don't even know. I, I wouldn't even know if he's close enough to get to getting a start to want to sort of carry that sort of person on the bench 
with the extra sort of 100, 100 grand or 80 grand, whatever it is in the, in the, in the, in the cap. Yeah, well, I mean, Tomo's gone and Bailey Simonson has gone off injured as well and isn't going to be there in the early rounds at all. So he's going to have... But he's also yeah, he's also on that right that right side, which is horrendous. I mean, if Blake Ferguson can't score, I don't know, I don't know who can, but that you don't have to play him. He just needs to start an increase in price. But, um, yeah, I don't know, mate. Look, if he starts 100%, you just leave him there, let him rot and try to increase in value but if he doesn't i don't know how far away he's whether he's close enough to warrant sort of putting there and hoping he gets gets a start yeah and look the problem is too like sean russell's another one that's maybe in the running but he's around that 300k mark so he's just too expensive with the starting draw and i think the people might get sucked into him if he does start because he's gonna have some really low games (laughs) potentially um does it sound like last year? But he scored a treble before he broke the That <laughs> was an amazing, amazing uh, performance in 2022, round one, before he ended up hurting himself. But Dunster or Russell are probably going to get in. I think the super coaches want to hope that Dunster gets in because at 234800 he's a guy that it's easy to pay that for him uh, and leave him there. Uh, for sure, Russell, uh, not so much. Did you have any other Parramatta Eels you wanted to throw in there as a miscellaneous at the end before we move along to the Canterbury Bulldogs, Billy? No, mate. If anyone, I was just going to chuck in Cardi. Hope, but you've already sort of touched on him. Um, I think the, they've got enough to choose from. I don't see him being an 80-minute player anymore. But, yeah, maybe, maybe one to watch. But apart from that, nothing to add. I mean, look, broken jaw. You know, sometimes that is a long time out. I haven't seen whether he needed surgery or not. Maybe he's back in 12 weeks, so maybe he hits round one still. Um, that might be, you know, less than 12 weeks. But if he does start round one, what was your opinion on him, just to finish off? Because I sort of thought he, when he was getting the minutes, it was good. And the second half of the season, he ended up getting really low minutes, like sort of 15 to 20 minutes for half the year. And that meant that his price is really juicy coming into this year at sort of 230k. Yeah. I think he asked me for this question last year, and I said, watch out for... Um... Cardi, I think he'll be a smoky. He'll start getting more minutes and um, scoring well off the bench. Um, but I think that kind of went to Maddo. Um, but with with Papali going, I think that sort of comment stands again for this year. Just depends how good the uh, the other blokes end up sort of being. That's all. Yeah, and look, I mean, there were still some games too where he got you know fifty one minutes and twenty five points for Cartwright, uh, which is concerning. <laughs> So, you know, it's, it's not like he had games where he was setting it on fire. He was looking fantastic. Last couple of games of the season, he scored 34 and 39 points in 27 and 19 minutes. So it's hard to tell what you're going to get with him. Uh, and I do think that there's going to be other options that you can probably put in there instead. So, um, yeah, you might be one to watch in the preseason, Billy. But, um, yeah. Yep. Let's move along to the Bulldogs, mate. Uh, the Bulldogs have got a few less players to talk about, um, but certainly they've had... A number of changes. So when you have a look at the Bulldogs, um, first of all, the big ins for them. Obviously, Billy Kickow is going to be a huge in uh, for them. They've also got Reed Marnie from Urials coming across. So they're two really big ones for the Canterbury Bulldogs to gain. Apart from that, they've not really lost a huge amount. Um, I think the shop going um, could hurt them a little bit because I thought he was decent. Uh, Josh Jackson retiring is going to leave a lot of uh, middle minutes, as is Paul Vaughan. 
So those two guys are gone. Brett, uh, Jack Hetherington as well was getting some um, some minutes outside of his suspended weeks, which was many. Um, so there's three pretty prominent forwards that are gone. And also, obviously, Jeremy Marshall King went to make way for Reed Marnie coming in. So uh, a fair few changes for the Bulldogs. And by the way, I should say that Ryan Sutton's come in as well um, to help replace those forward stocks. Certainly a lot of forwards have moved on there that are fairly prominent um, and a few prominent forwards have come into the pack. So that coupled with the fact that Kikau is obviously a bit of a strike weapon and, and Marnie, you would hope is a, you know, I think Marshall King had a really good year last year, but you'd think that Marnie would be able to bounce back from last season. All in all, the Bulldogs look like they're a stronger team this year. Uh, so I expect them to go a bit better than what they did last year. Does that mean making the eight, Billy? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either, mate. I think, look, you'd like to think they get better. They've they bought well. Um, look, when they bought uh, Ado Car for his price um, last year, I remember thinking, gee, if I was going to spend money, I'd start the spine. But it looks like they've started attacking players that they can get, knowing that they're going to sort of um, buy the right players when they pop up as opposed to just going out like the Tigers and paying absolute overs for anyone that's, that's available at the time. So I think they've done really well. Um, I, I think Marnie's a great buy, um, although you look at the first half of the season and think it's a lot better than what it is. But he's still a bloody good player, mate. He's kind of like Michael Anderson, mate. You're not going to see any real sort of flair, but he, he knows his way around the park. He plays big minutes. He'll, he'll, um, he'll play a good structure. And you've you've got you've got Burton with a couple of extra sort of forwards in there. So, it's, what can that kid do? I mean, it, it was only his sort of first real sort of full year, mate. You give one year experience under the belt to anyone, then tell them they get they get to come start fresh with um with more experience and better players in the pack. I mean, surely confidence just makes them even better. Yeah, they, they they were building last year, I think, and I think that they're going to go better this year. I just think the better is probably not going to be. Eighth, um, I can see them finish anywhere from sort of ninth to twelfth, ninth to thirteenth, maybe. I think that's probably their range. Uh, yeah, I have to agree. The draw, very different from the Parramatta Eels. So their first buy is a week early, but that's still pretty good. Their first buy is round thirteen, and then they've got round seventeen and twenty-three, but very similar to the Eels in that respect. The thing that's better, you know, they don't start with a tough draw uh, for the first month at least. Uh, and, you know, it's relatively, but Seagulls, Storm, and both of those games are away, so that makes it harder. Tigers at home and then Warriors, but that is away. Uh, but certainly the Warriors, you know, is is one of the games that you're going to earmark. I think they're going to be a bottom four side. Uh, the e- Eagles, we don't know what to expect from them, but they certainly gave up points even when they were playing well last year. And the Tigers is going to be a good matchup despite their improvements. I still think that they're, even when they've played well, the Tigers and been sort of, a, you know, in the top eight and then fallen out, they've still been giving up a lot of points in the past. That's a pretty good first month of footy as far as draws go. Um, when you go beyond that, you hit the Cowboys, Souths, thankfully both of those are at home. Uh, and then they've got your Eels, the Sharkies, the Dragons. And I think after that round eight clash, that's when it really opens up going to that first buy. After round eight, they hit the Dragons, the Raiders, the Warriors, and then the Titans. So I think that month of footy is fantastic for them. And their draw is good enough where, you know, you can see out the bad bumps in it to start with as well. So overall, I think it's a pretty decent draw. Um, You know, probably 
top third of the season of the teams as far as draws go. Um, and I do buy into it a little bit. I think the Bulldogs needed a little bit of confidence at the start of the year, and a bit of an easier draw is probably going to give them that. Yeah, it's more it's more of a fifty fifty draw. I mean, it's it's not in their favour. It's not against them, but um, uh, I, I, it's not not going to be easy for them, especially with the storm early. I mean, they've, they've got them to the second round, I think, from memory. Um, I think they can go all right. They've got they've got the team to sort of get get off the ground, but um, it's not going to be easy for them, mate. No, it won't be easy. Seven out of their f- first 12 games before their buyer are at home, though, and that's going to help a little bit. And really, only two of those games are actually going to have to travel. So that's that's going to be a factor. Uh, fun fact, while we get into these players, before we mm-hmm. talk about Billy Kikau, no player on the Bulldogs roster last year averaged 60-plus. Their only official gun is the incoming Viliami Kikau. Billy, that's not a very <laughs> kind stat for Supercoach. Yeah, like the Eels, though, like any other sort of team, you're going to have players that go on their runs, so maybe if we can dig in a little bit, we we'll, might find something in there. Eh? I think we will, and let's start off with Big Kickout. So Kickout was the only only guy that was an out-and-out gun, um, and by gun criteria, classic traditional definition, it's 60-plus. He averaged 65.3 per, per game last year. That's his career best. Um, when you go through, you know, he's never actually averaged better than 61 which surprises a lot of people. I think that he's been seen as this big gun, but he's actually, you know, fluctuated in his career between sort of 58 and 61 points. 65.3 was a great year for him. Uh, It was better than I think me or you expected, certainly better than what we spoke about in the preseason. To make up those points, he had nine tries in 22 games. His 34 base was putrid. That's always been the case with him. His base base attack was up to 50 and that's that's really key. Uh, he had 19 points a game in clutch attack stats, so that was really important as well. Uh, but his his base base attack was pretty much identical from 2021, right? So he was getting 50 and 51 points those last two years in his base base attack. It was really those attacking stats: the line break assists, the line breaks, uh, the tries, the try assists. Those were the numbers uh, that really went up uh, and went up seven points per game, and that's where he's extra points came from. I think a lot of people are going to look at this and be one of two camps, Billy. They're going to be like, he looked great last year. He's coming into a new team. They're going to give him even more ball because they got less, you know, firepower than the Panthers. He's in for a career year. You know, I certainly understand that narrative. The other camp's narrative is going to be, he had a career year. He hasn't really gone that high before. And if 65.3 is his career year, is it really worth Shelling that out over some of the other options, I think that's very fair too. I think the big question is going to come down to this, Billy. He averaged 76 minutes per game last year. Uh, is that going to continue? And that's probably a question that we need to ask. You know, I, I would think that they're going to play him 80 minutes a game, but we've seen in the past where the Panthers have actually played him, you know, 20 minutes a game less. Uh, they do have someone like Pengai Jr. on the bench. He's very similar to Kikau who can go onto an edge and play 20 minutes. He's just like Marnie, mate. Like there's there's no real upside compared to the price that you're paying to start the season with him. Um, like you were saying before, like he doesn't really have any huge tons to get you ahead. So there's no real incentive to get him in thinking, look, if he scores 120, 130, he's going to sort of give you a good kick to season because you're not going to get that. Um, he's also moving to a weaker team. Um, whereas the previous team that he played for, they're kind of like the rabbits, like they always go left. So 
you had an absolute dominant team and a bloke like uh, Liwai who would go looking for him with a short ball that, or that little sort of kick, deaf kick just behind the line to um, get him to dive on the ball. So if you're taking taking that uh, that away from him, um, it makes him less sort of likely for you to want him to get. But on the plus side, like he does get Burton back, who's going to be on the left side with him. So... Maybe maybe Burton ends up using him more like a like a um, a David Fafita type battering ram, or maybe he's less of a decoy with the dogs because they need someone like his size to go over the line. So it's not the worst, but I think look at that sort of price, that's a bit of a concern. I think he's probably the sort of guy that you put in like into that maybe a little bit later in the season type basket, like someone like someone after a bit of a drop where they go on a, on a easier sort of run going to the buyers. I think that's kind of when you kind of get to him because there's no real short immediate term upside. That's my take. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, and look, I'm going to be really honest with Kikau and say, you know, a lot of the time, a lot of the podcasts or a lot of the comments and stuff will be, yeah, definitely get him or definitely don't get him. Sometimes you just have to say, look, I, I really don't know. And I really don't know if Kikau is either going to really step up and be, uh, you know, even better because he is only 27 years old. Maybe he's hitting his prime and maybe this new club and off Burton, like you said, maybe that really pumps him up and he gets heaps more usage. I could see that happening and maybe that pumps him up towards 70 points a game. I could also see him, you know, going the other way and regressing a little bit and being sort of 60 and still being a really good buyer for Canterbury. All in all, um, I think that probably the likelihood is that you're going to get around about the value that you pay for. And I just don't think for round one, if you're going to shell out that sort of money, it's worth getting what you pay for at 65 points a game. You know, you'd pay the extra money for a, um, a an Angus Crichton or a, or a Murray. You know, Murray is a bit a fair bit more money, but it's worth it because if you get your sort of 75 points a game, that's worth paying for. If that's all you're going to get, that's great because you're going to get that every week. Kick out fluctuates and 65 points a game, getting that value back, it's not really worth paying that money for round one, I don't think. So, you know, we'll watch and see. Uh, the other guy that's a big gun for this Bulldog side is going to be Burton. I've got to say, I'm much more interested in Burton. Um, I've had him in my side since since the team pickle was released by Supercoach. So we might disagree a bit on this one. So I might have to sell you a little bit, but Burton was one of the best moves I made last year. I got him in for a run. And for that run, he was sensational. I absolutely loved it. The only downside was that I sold him at the wrong time. Uh, but then certainly the back end of the year, I was glad I sold him because he tailed off. But he comes into this year at 594,000. 56 and a half average. You know, that sounds pretty poor, uh, but it's actually great value for us if we want to believe in him for round one. Because if you look at what he did in that middle part of the season, round 11 to 18, he averaged 74 points a game. That's almost 20 points in value possibly. And the reason why I think that's really important is because, like Billy mentioned at the start of this with the Bulldogs, you know, Burton was coming into his first season as a starting NRL half, uh, and he was coming into a new team with a new structure. It's always going to take a couple of months for someone to get used to that. All of his poor scores were in that first third of the season, pretty much, you know, give or take. Around 11 to 18, he looked comfortable. He was running the attack, and he averaged 74 points a game. Yeah, that's where I think his upside is because he's priced at 56.5 points a game. He's obviously a goal kicker as well. Um, In the first couple of months, I think he was just getting used to them. Uh, Even if you just go from round nine, though, Billy, you know, if you go from round nine onwards, he averaged 64 points a game. And that's eight points better value than what you're paying for. To me, that's his floor. Like, I I think that he's going to be at least eight points better value than what he's priced at. Uh, Across the year, he did 30 points per game in his clutch attack. 
Obviously, he's got the goal kicking in there. Um, so whilst he's got bad base, that goal kicking is going to boost that. Kickouts on that side too. You know, I just I see so many pluses for owning Matt Burton this year as a five eight coming in at five hundred ninety four thousand with an average that I don't think reflects how he's going to perform at all this year. Yeah, I remember you getting him getting him last year. I remember thinking, oh, it's a bit of a, of a uh, pod move and it worked out really really well for you. Um, yeah, you're right there. It's like 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 any other player, mate. We were talking about Moses before, where averages go down. He, he, he's no different. I mean, um, he averaged 52 versus the top sides last year and 50, 58 versus the bottom one. So he fluctuates fluctuates a little bit. Um, not 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 as much. Um, got an absolute booming boot. It's one hell of a thing to watch. He just had a slow slow start and a poor finish. Like the 12 games to start and finish the season, it was ordinary. The 12 games right in the middle. Mate, it's like he hit his straps, he averaged 75. So six tries, 13 try assists in that run. And it didn't really matter who he played against, mate. But he just absolutely destroyed every, everyone in, in, in that middle run. So he's 100% uh, a game of two halves. So if he can replicate anywhere near that to start, to start the season, I'm not going to say he's... Overs or unders, I think he's an absolute dark horse that probably go, goes in that actually goes in that big balls pod category because I I think he's uh, I think he's untapped. I don't actually think he's going to be a pod. That's probably the downside. Oh, I think that he's going to be ten plus percent ownership. Really, ten um, percent? Yeah, there's there's quite a few that are that are liking him. I think that, that when you're looking at the sixth spot in Supercoach, and I think this is where his value is too. There isn't heaps of options. Like you got Munster. And then you know people are yeah. going to probably be off Cody Walker. But the thing, yeah, but the thing is, Schuster's available there, and I think hundred. I'm going to say hundred percent, but a lot of people will have him as the alternate option for when their their alpha five eight has a buy or go, goes your down. Alpha, because your alpha so is either Munster or who would you know Dylan Brown? I don't think people are going to want to be going there. I'm just going Munster. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think it's an alternative to Munster, but even with Schuster, yeah. I'll say, you know, I've got Schuster in my second row at the moment. I did too, but then I went and had a look at my second 5-8. And like, okay, if he's in your second row, who's your, who's your second 5-8? I couldn't find anyone cheap enough. Well, you could have Munster and Burton. Like, I think that's, uh, yes, I suppose. that's viable. It's a lot, uh, yeah, I suppose. It's a, it's a lot, lot of money for two guys that... I, I I just I'm just of the old school. Or if I'm going to have have someone, I would much rather have have someone as close as close to a million dollars. It's going to possibly produce the absolutely insane score. Or bottom, I don't want to pay any. I don't want to be paying to the six fifty seven fifty for someone that could potentially score fifty five. I'm I want I want big big points out of them if I'm paying money. Yeah, that's the thing though. Look, I think five hundred ninety four thousand is cheap. Like if you're going off off the before the salary cap went up, it was like five hundred twenty thousand. Like that's that's fairly cheap. It's only just out of the mid category, yeah. um, and I think that that's that's why you know you go on him. If he was more expensive, you, you probably would shy away. Um, but I just think that it's it's great value. And look, there's a lot of numbers that support it. Um, also, a lot of narrative as far as him getting used to his team and stuff. Mm. And uh, but I just love, I, I do like stacking the attacking players, the, the playmakers, and if the and ones that have goal kicking. You know, and obviously he's got the goal kicking, which is going to help him as well. So oh, I really like him and I think that the eye test as well. Um it's it's one of those things like it's almost 
I don't want to compare him to Hines because he's not going to do what Hines did, but it's almost like last preseason where people were really off Hines and it was like, you know, the numbers said that he could be pretty good, but, you know, maybe, you know, some numbers said, on you know, it, there could be some holes in that argument. But the eye test, you know, th- that was it for me last preseason. The eye test was like, Hines is just a gun player. When you watch, yeah. he's that involved and he's getting so much better and he's so young, you can just see what a great player he could become. And I can really see that in Matt Burton at the moment. Um, for this year so you know certainly I'm not saying he's going to average 80s like Hines or anything ridiculous but you know what I mean that eye test for Burton I think that that's really there yeah I know what you're saying I just every time I tried to look at an alternative to Munster I just went and had a look at his season last year and you go on to um, the NL Supercoach stats site where they've got the colour coding there and every single one of his scores is just dark green. It's like, yes, 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 yes. I, I can't see like, – he's got one low – Munster's got one low score basically in the first nine games last year. 74, 120, 84, 96, 110, 130. Gee, I, I just can't not want a piece of that. Yeah, and I completely understand it. Like I, I think what I would say to the Munster argument is you can have both if that's your build. If that's not your build, yeah. then obviously it's going to be harder. Uh, but the other build as well that's important to consider is, you know, you're going to have teams that start off with Munster, Harry Grant, Nathan Cleary, Nico Hines, Tedesco, Latrell Mitchell. And initially they're going to say to everybody when they're talking about these players, oh, no, I've got to have all those guys. They're the best spine players. I'm having them all. But then when you start to build a team, Billy, all of a sudden, you have seven spots left and no money. And you go, well, I can't have all those guys. I suppose a really good way to put it would be if you put Matt Burton as your alternate uh, 5'8", it means you get to put Schuster back to your second row. I, I suppose the question is, the price that you're paying for Burton at 5'8", do you think that outweighs the same sort of price for a person in the second row? So instead of comparing him to, you know, uh, Munster like I'm doing mm-hmm. then, look at his price point and go, okay, um, would he would he offset any, the, the same sort of points or potentially get a lot hot, a lot more points than some of the same the same sort of price point in the second row? And I think the answer is yes. Like you said, he's goal kicking better team, kick out of, off the left of him. Yeah, I think you just got that upside. And again, you're looking at second row is going to be sub 600k. So. You know, I think that... That's where I like these pods. I think you just talked me <laughs> Well, the other thing too is that you don't, you're not going to get very many good good money-making forwards. Like we see it every year where you might get one or two that start, but the majority is, oh, now I have to fill guys that are bench players, that are young benchies for 230. Yeah. And it never works. It, it hardly ever works. It's not very good. Whereas with Schuster, you know he's playing 80 minutes as a 5'8", potentially. And then you're putting him in the second row and you don't have to worry about that headache either. And you've got a lot of second row spots to fill. So I really like that build. That's what I've gone for. Um, again, no guarantees on this pod- podcast. I'm not going <laughs> to refund you if you don't win the 50K. But look, let's look at the fallen guns now. All right, Reed Marnie. He had a very disappointing season last year. I was far too nice to him, to be honest, in the opening of the Bulldogs. I'm going to completely lay out on the table my thoughts on Reed Marnie. I thought he was atrocious last year. And I'm going to say from, you know, from a real-life perspective, some of his passes weren't good for, you know, a prop that you made start to become a dummy half in their first year. He, his passing at times was horrendous. And he re- I don't know whether it was because he was leaving or whatever, but I don't think he was good at all last year. I'll go and say he's below average last year. Now, 
I think that he could step it back up because we saw it the year before. He comes in at $574,800 with a 54.6 average. Now, that's a big drop-off in Supercoach from where Reed Marnie was before. Now, we said it was a career year, but when you're going to drop off from, you know, 65 point, 68 points again to 55, you don't see those type of drop-offs often. And when you do, you don't normally see guys bounce back and do that 68 again. So I don't think that he will. It's just a question of how much he improves. He only had 41 in base versus 45 in base in 2021. So that was 10% of his score drop right there. Uh, but his clutch attack, 2021, he was getting 18 points per game in the scoring stats. He dropped five points in 2022. So, you know, his work rate and assists and his tries have to increase for him to have any value on that price point and for him to approach, you know, 10 points better than his 54.6 average that he's priced at at the moment. Uh, I don't think that he's going to be able to do that. I think that he's going to improve a little bit, but maybe that's going to be a 58 to 60 type of average. I could be wrong because he's young, Billy, um, but I will leave you with this little thought to process. The Bulldogs last year... Their highest tries for a dog's Ford was two, and it was Stimson as an edge Ford. No one else in their Ford pack scored more than one try, and a heap of them scored zero. So certainly they've got a new coach, Billy. Certainly they've got a couple of new players. Maybe they will play with their Fords a little bit more, but they weren't last year, and that doesn't hold well for Marnie to get some of those attacking stacks back up. Yeah, agree, mate. You only scored over 83 times with the Eels. Um, but the other, the other, the other thing that kind of uh, sells it for me um, in the negative is that he's never once had a five-round average rolling average higher than sixty-seven. So there's almost there's zero consistency there. Even if he did manage to put a decent one together, it's not big enough to 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 get into a spike that, um, that's going to give you any sort of real advantage. Um, his five-game rolling average is actually below sixty for more than half the season. So that's terrible. Which is right where it. Yeah, so it's, there's no real upside, and I really don't see that changing going to a lesser going to a lesser team. I mean, unless you think the the dogs are kind of like the other dogs of the A's and they're just full of middle power and less flair. Um, but he's a complete avoid for me. Totally and utterly a complete avoid. Yeah, he's really in no man's land at that price point and with his production. You know, you, you at hooker, it's not a great position. You've got a few really good ones. You'd rather pay for a Robson for a Grant for a Cook. You'd rather pay for one of those than be stuck with Marnie. Um, likewise, if you can't pay for those or if he's your second hooker, you'd rather go for someone at 350K and just spend that 200K elsewhere because you'll get more value in your points. And points value per dollar spent is really important. And you're just not going to get it with Reed Marnie as your second hooker. And I don't think you can start him as your first hooker. So he's a big, he's a big avoid as a fallen gun. Barnsley's about to go off like a frog in a sock here on these next two because I really love them. But it's super risky, mate. So I'm going to throw it out there. You're probably going to disagree with me and that's fine. I'm not heaps. I'm not going to sell people on these two. Uh, I just see a bit of potential and I just like them. Uh, Luke Thompson, 512,400. Now, he comes in as a front rower, uh, averaging 48.7 last year. Three minutes less per game, but it was really his PPM that just wasn't there. So, you know, in 2021, it was a bit of a breakout year for the Englishman. He scored 66 points a game at 56 minutes and had a PPM of 1.18. Note that Madison was around that, and we're talking about how that's getting towards elite levels. Uh, 
2022, 49 points a game on 0.91 ppm, which isn't that great for a middle, and down to 53 minutes. So it was a combination of a few minutes less and also just didn't seem to really get it, get in there and get involved and have the same attitude. Uh, there was a lot of personal things that were happening with him, so I'm going to build a bit of a narrative here, but it can definitely go both ways. You know, in, in 2022, he had zero tries, 50 base-base attack versus 2021. 65 base base attack and three tries. You know, which one do we get? It's not asking that much to get a 60 odd base base attack and three tries. Um, and that's going to, you know, be tremendous value as it is. The other thing with him is I really like the fact that they've got guys like Vaughan and Jackson gone. Um, they're going to have a lot of, a lot of their middle forwards are gone and they're going to need these guys to step up. And the narrative that I said I'm going to build is this. He had a lot of personal issues. He was stuck over in England. Um, there was a lot of things going on. It looked like that he was going to be unloaded and he wasn't going to return. All that's gone now. You know, it's a fresh season. He's going to stay at the Bulldogs. It's a much more successful club this year. Uh, so my narrative is that he's going to get extra minutes. He's going to be as motivated as what he was in 2021. And in 2021, he low-key killed it, 66 points per game as a front rower. Now, if you can get 66 points game per game out of him as a front rower, under the new salary cap price at 512000 which is like 450 k before the prices went up, that's really good value as your second front row forward that you can start every week. And he's pretty consistent when he's on. Last year, if you look at it, it was terrible, Billy. So if you get last year, you're going to want to kill me and never listen to the podcast again. But <laughs> otherwise, if you get the year before, you know, you'll probably pay me some money to, to keep producing this type of content. So we'll see. Yeah, it comes down all comes down to that PPM, doesn't it? Um, I think the the year before he was he was more the alpha as opposed to the um just the other the other forward. So it depends on what his role is. If he can do sort of fifty eight, fifty six, fifty eight minutes. Um, like he didn't really, he hardly had any, any sort of clutch attack in there. It comes down to which bloke you're going to get, simple as that. Yeah, and we should talk about their projected pack because at the moment they've got Luke Thompson and Max King as props and Ryan Sutton as the 13, Tavita Pengai Jr. on the bench, and then you've got Patolo, Davey, who's an edge anyway, and, and Frank Pele. None of those guys are, are big-minute guys. So he has to get more minutes. Um, you would think anyway. So it's, I think that the the makeup of the pack really helps him. Um, TPJ is the next uh, is the next one on the list, and he's a big balls pod, and he's a big balls pod for a reason. He had a career worst year last year. He burnt many a super coach, including me. Uh, I got him in when he was like dirt cheap, um, and thought you know three hundred twenty thousand or whatever I got him for. That's got to be value. And he just got hurt, and then you know stopped playing, and it was just a. It was a real throwaway season for Tavita Pangai. Because of that, he's going to come in at 525600 but he loses his front row forward status. So he's going to be second row only, which hurts him a little bit. But 50 points per game was the worst in his career. You know, 2018, he was still, you know, really hitting his straps. He's only 26 now. You know, he's only 21, 20 in that season. 53 a game, and that was his worst season. After that, 58 a game, 70 a game, 65 a game. He's always been... Uh, better than what he was last year. His PPM as well was um, equal worst as what he's had. I just can't see this Bulldog side losing these forwards and having a new coach come in and seeing Tavita Pengla Jr. fit and boxing and, and all these shots that we get. I know it's all the preseason. 
stuff that gets pushed and a lot of it ends up not coming to fruition, but he really does look fit. Um, you know, I just, I, I can't see him not scoring better than 50 points a game. And he's just got such a super coach friendly game. When you unpack it, you know, he had his worst tries ever. Uh, only scored the one try last year. Only got three LBAs and try assists last year. Um, his tackle breaks were exceptionally low at 30 across 19 games. He still managed to be at the top of the NRL on offloads, though, two and a half a game, despite the minutes. You know, he was just so down, Billy, in all these attacking stats bar um, his offloads and his base attack that I just I can't get around him not having a good year when I look at that pack. Yeah, I think the last year, though, the reason why we wanted him was because he was going to be playing on the edge. Um, he just seemed to have better numbers on 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 that sort of right hand side, playing sort of you know 65, 70, 80 minutes. You going back to the middle and taking those minutes away, it, that goes back to the concern factor again. Plus the fact that you've got a, a guy like King who's played out of his skin is going to be playing bigger minutes in the middle, obviously. And the fact that you know TPJ still has that sort of temperament where you know he can get suspended, suspended or penalised three times in a row at any at any given point in time for a brain snap. So, given that he doesn't really throw big numbers, I'm I'm inclined just to stay right clear from him. Yeah, look, he's a big balls pod for a reason. And I should say when I'm when I'm talking about how I do really like him for the year, I'm saying if he starts, if he doesn't start, I can't do it. It's five hundred twenty-five thousand. It's too much, but. You know, I, I have to think that there's a realm of possibility that Cameron Sheraldo comes in and says, you know what, I'm going to start TPJ on an edge and play him 60-plus minutes. Um, or yeah. I'm going to start him at 13 because Ryan Sutton is a bit of a, you know, a little bit of a journeyman bench player, fringe 17 guy at this point. You know, for him to come in and take the 13 jersey over TPJ, I think that Seraldo is a better coach than that. I don't think it's going to happen. So I'm believing in TPJ starting for me to go with this. Yeah, look, and look, it does. He doesn't have to be on the edge. That that's just that's just the numbers that we did last year showing. Look, we we would get a better result if he was if he was out there. But if you go back to not beginning of last year, I think the beginning of the year before, when the first one or two or three games um, for the Broncos. I'm not sure if you remember, but he came out and he was, it was like six, seven, eight, nine offloads in the first like 25 minutes and we're all screaming at the TV going, how good is this? <laughs> like he, he would, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then the coach tried to pull his head in <laughs> and then it stopped. So, I mean, if, if you can get a TPJ, a TPJ like that going, going H8, tackle bus, tackle bus, offload and scoring, you know, so 10 points a hit up. That's the kind of stuff that you know, makes you proud to sort of get him as a pod. But is that realistic? That's the question. This is where preseason is really important. I, I'd urge everybody that's in the super coach to actually watch some of the trials uh, because it is important. Uh, some of it, you, you can't tell everything from the numbers. Some of it's got to be a little bit of gut feel, but a lot of it's got to be eye tests. You know, for me, these are the boxes I need ticked to consider TPJ to start in my back row. And he may very well be. I need him to look fit in the preseason. I need him to play well in the trials and get good minutes. And I need him to be named as a starter. I don't care whether that's starting 13 or starting edge. I don't care. If those three things happen, I will start him probably. 90% sure I'll start him as one of my second rowers. At 525000 to me, there's value to be had there. 50 average. I think he's at least a 60 average if those things are there for him for round one. If they're not there, then I couldn't possibly go for it. But there is high risk, high reward because he can 
be an absolute gunplay, Billy, which, you know, gunplay could easily be a 66, 67 point per game play if he was well utilised and and got all the minutes. But we just don't know that at the moment, as we saw last year with his 50 average. Yeah, well, I'll say plenty of ways of skin a cat and that's the whole point of us doing these pods because not everyone's going to have the same players. So what's the next cab off the rank? Max King, another big balls pod, but for different reasons. He was a cashy last year. I like this uh, one. one one that worked out really well. I thought you'd really like him. He's actually 15,000 more than TPJ at 540,000. He's a little bit more boring though. Uh, and this is probably why I can't get amongst Max King as a big balls pod. For average 51.3 points per game. Admittedly, you know, you touched on it a little bit. His role, you know, he was a young fella just coming in. He's probably solidified his minutes a lot more. Um, and he, he looks a lot better when you look at his bigger minute minutes after the first couple months of the season. But he was still someone who just didn't really have the consistent 60 scores in him, even when he was getting the minutes. You know, he was really solid. Um, but for 525,000, you know, I just... Or 540,000, sorry. I'm just not really that sold on him because I don't think he's got really any big upside. With someone like TPJ, you know, like I said, career low in try scoring... Not many clutch attacker stats, clutch attack stats. Like I could see him going up 15 points a game uh, as a best case scenario. Best case scenario for King, I can't really see him averaging 66, 67 points a game. Yeah, the, the data I got of him is like I'm the same as you, mate. I really, I really like him. Um, but there, there were there were two there were two there were two key two key games here. There was um, one versus. One versus, one versus the Panthers, where they got done 30 points to 18. And there was another one um, versus the Storm, I think, um, where they got done 30, 34 to 4. Those were the two of the bigger minute games. And he got 55 or 55 minutes and 72 or 50, 57 minutes. So pretty much um, pretty much 90% base. So if he goes back to the big, to the bigger minutes, um, like, like he, he's still... He's still undervalued, but I think um, more so if he plays lock again, he can get that sort of fifty to sixty, fifty-five to sixty po- to sixty point range. So if he can stay away from eight or ten jersey and leave that to sort of Sutton or Thompson and go back to that sort of number thirteen and get the um, those sort of fifty-five minutes, I think that's where the value is. That, that's that's the, that's the only way to sort of up up for him. It's just no massive up, upside, but he's more of a sort of stable thirteen option. Yeah, and look, he could go to Jersey thirteen because they might opt to leave Sutton on the bench and then put TPJ at prop, which could happen as well. Um, so, yeah, those are numbers. So, so just quickly, so that was round. So last year that was round thirteen and fourteen. So he had a PPM of one and a PPM of one point two six. So, um. Uh, yeah, a little bit higher than a little bit higher than seed damage. Nothing much. I think too small a sample size to pick from, but it just goes to show that I think the the minutes are mu- are much are a much better opportunity for him in that thirteen jersey. So it'll probably add 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 sort of fifteen twenty percent to it. Yeah, and we mentioned that there's going to be minutes on offer. So you know, really, he averaged forty seven minutes a game. Eight minutes a game could be there. Um, that could be an extra six points a game for him. Uh, I agree that there's 100% going to be value in him. Um, it's just a matter of how much value. You know, I can't see him playing 60-plus minutes, um, and he probably needs to be there to have really good value, um, whereas, you know, guys like, oh, you know, TPJ and, and Thompson, um, I can see them having more value in them potentially. So let's look at the controversial one here, the the bloke that we're going to say is a stay away. 
uh, is a mistake. And this is because, and this is really important, I think, for all the people that are playing Supercoach for their first or second year or a bit green. Uh, you see these guys that are really good players in real life and you think that they're going to be great Supercoach players or you really like watching them and you put them in your team and then you all of a sudden you realise they don't score very well. That happens. You know, Josh Adokar uh, had a fantastic World Cup and I think that's going to influence a few people, especially a few rookies in Supercoach. And they're going to say, look, Adokar looked fantastic. They're going to be in for a better year. He's going to start scoring tries. Um Look, that all might be the case, but Adokar averaged 51 points a game last year, which was as bad as 2018. But his upside, really, 2021 was an outlier season for most attacking players, 61 points a game. All these other scores every other year were between 51 and 54. That's what he is. Um, and he's priced at 51. So you're going to get what you pay for. Uh, and his base was an ordinary 20. He's just, he's never worth it. You know, 30% of his games were over 60-plus. You're buying him for the big upside, and people think that he's got the big upside. His high score was 110 last year, and he's only ton. You know, at least someone like Mike Acevo will throw up 140 or 150 once a year probably. You know, Adokar just doesn't have it, just didn't have it in him last year, and he, he's not going to probably have it in him this year either. Uh, he's certainly not worth paying for. So when you're looking at it, especially for those super coach rookies, Adokar's 100% a stay away, Billy. I know that that might seem, you know, an obvious stay away from round one for a lot of people, but certainly, you know, every year there's some that jump on him. Yeah, I just wish Freddie wasn't listening to our podcast last year because he's one bloke that should be considering him. No, forget about it. My boy Tupac can stay there. (laughs) Let's not get into that. Mids and cheapies. I'm no coach. Mids and cheapies real quickly. Um, There isn't a huge amount for the dogs. In fact, their projected team... Uh, there isn't much at all. One of the guys that's been in and out of their projected team, um, when you're having a look at it for the Bulldogs, Ryan Sutton, um, I mentioned at the moment he's projected as a starting 13. Uh, Look, I I sort of glazed over Sutton because he's always been a bit boring. I've always liked him as a player, but sort of as a a bench player, a bit of depth for teams. But when you have a look at the numbers, he's a guy who is completely a base stat guy. He's a real middle worker. Um, but the nice thing about him is that he averaged 42 minutes a game last year and he scored 42 points a game. Now, he could easily, if he's starting 13, do 52 points a game and you are guaranteed that that's going to be 10 points better than where he's priced at. I guess the thing with someone like Ryan Sutton is, Billy, um, when you're having a look at your front row forwards, he's 446000 So certainly he's going to be a lot cheaper than some of the other ones. Is it worth it for 52 points a game? Maybe it is because there's a lot of guys that are in that price bracket of the four to four fifty range that just aren't going to score that. Um, but we don't really know the role. Is there any interest at all in a Ryan Sutton if he is ten to fifteen points unders if he's starting at thirteen? Because if he is starting at thirteen, you'd expect him to play a fair bit more than forty two minutes a game. I would say if he wins that role. Uh, not for me, mate. Like I, I think the biggest mistake I've made for the last few years is trying to get. My team full of guys that run the value that are going to get me an extra, you know, 12, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 points a game. But the problem is it only takes one person with a bit of luck to to do that off the bench. So instead of trying to get four or five people like this and having to play them, I'd much rather pay an absolute premium for for someone to play a couple of Gumbies off the bench. They're only getting 25, 30 minutes, you know, take the 35 points early. 
and and hope that the uh, the the better players that you buy um, go over the line. Like I would much rather invest in someone like Nelson or Sofa Solomona, and uh, knowing that the end of last year he was going to the edge and he, his brute size is is possibly going to get him over the line every now and then. Take take a pot like like that as opposed to someone who might get an extra ten points from a thirty five to forty five. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Um, certainly there's an argument to say just get the cheaper guy and just take the 30, 35 points. Um, I think the thing with someone like Sutton is front row 40s is such a desolate wasteland. Um, sometimes it's hard to even find those guys um, yeah. that are going to be cheap. Um, and if you're stuck needing to get someone in that 350 to 450 type of range, there might not be that many options that are going to have the minutes opportunity that Sutton does. It's not a sexy pick. Um, and he's certainly got to start and be playing the minutes, but he's someone that might be 10 points undervalued quite easily if he gets a starting jersey. If he was playing anywhere but front row forward, you just wouldn't bother. Um, but because it's front row forward, I think we need to see the lay of the land, and he, he may end up being somewhat of an option. We're all saying that I think he's a great option. We haven't mentioned this yet, but in draft, Ryan Sutton will be a really good end of draft option to grab if he's got a starting jersey because he will give you a real solid 50-plus uh, and that's going to be real valuable at the end of drafts for a Ford pack. Other guy is Alamodi, and I, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. I'm very sorry. He's a rookie. so <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that is normally Billy's job. He told me to say your name that way. So I'm sorry, young fellow. You haven't debuted yet, so I, I haven't learnt your name properly. I'm sorry. I will. Um, but he has. He was not ready last year. Um, he's in some predicted teams to start this year in the centres. A lot of the mail says that he's still not ready. Now, if he does start or he doesn't start, he's only 200,000. So, you know, if we get a good look at him in the trials and he looks pretty good, he might even be one of those guys, Billy, where you go, you know what, if he's not starting, it means that Braden Burns is. And Braden Burns will probably not last a month of football before he's out injured again. And you can save yourself a trade just by having this bloke on the bench. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, Alamodi, whether he is in the starting side or he isn't, um, I'm going to probably have him in my centre wing unless we get a gluttony of cheap, base price 200k center wings that are going to be starting round one, which I don't think that we're going to get enough of them for the ones that I need. So that's a good strategy, I think, for Alamodi, put him in there um, if Braden Burns is starting or if he's starting. Yeah, I have to agree with that, mate. I don't know much about him apart from the last-minute kind of look. So it sounds like you've got a bit more of a background on him. He's one of those guys that with with that little experience kind of looking at him, sorry, looking looking at the numbers and, and game time, he's one of the guys that you really you really need to have some form of a um eye test reference on. And I don't have that, mate. So I'll, I'll just take your word on him. I think he will be good down the track, um, whether he gets an opportunity early or a bit later. That wraps up the Canary Bulldogs, Billy, and that wraps up the first podcast of the 2023 season. I feel like I've had a great rugby league workout. I'm sitting here sweating. It is a hot, balmy workout, but we've gotten through that first podcast of two hours recording. We'll be less once I edit it. Uh, thanks for jumping on for the first one in 2023. It was a lot of fun. Uh, looking forward to getting you on in another few after we get a few guests rotated in. Mate, I enjoyed this one so much. Oh, yeah, I forgot to drink my gin. <laughs> I'm going to go and pour myself a bourbon, but you go and have your gin. I'll go have my Cheers, bourbon. Brother. I better let everybody know where you can find the podcast. So certainly share us around guys and girls, but we are everywhere. You can grab us on Spotify, on SoundCloud, on iTunes, and you can also uh, share that around and subscribe too so you get the episodes straight away. You can follow us on Twitter too, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars, all one word, 
you'll get all up to date with every episode that drops. I'll be sharing on there as well. And there'll be lots of nice chats about your teams for Supercoach too. So get on Twitter and give us a follow and certainly give the podcast a share. But we will be back in another week with a brand new episode, a brand new preseason guest and a brand new two teams to preview. Until then, hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. Appreciate the support. Can't wait to chat some more Supercoach next week. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid.